Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Copcast podcast. Uh, joining me to chat about the Cardiff game and uh, look ahead to the Arsenal game and go off on any tangents that may come up in between uh, is David Dunning in Belfast. How are you doing, Dave? Yes, I'm doing good. Thanks, Neil. Now that we've got to the chase, yes. And how are you? Ah, grand, grand. After our sort of 45-minute pre-pod ramble there about various World Cups and European Championships and who scored when and where and where they were all held and whatever. Doing grand. So, um, yeah, it's a skeleton crew, so just me and you tonight. So uh, we'll we'll try not to, not to stay on too long, I guess. No, you're probably right. There's only so much that you and I can say before people get bored. Even before I get bored. Before we bore each other and ourselves. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll crack on straight away um, with uh, a wee, a wee uh, glance back at the, the Cardiff match at the weekend. So, obviously, um, a home game against uh, strong favourites for, for relegation in, in Cardiff City. And Neil Warnock's side, uh, very much... Uh, very much... Punching above their weight, should we say, to be in the Premier League, I would say. Um, they look, they look very much a championship side and, and not even a, necessarily a top championship side, but fair play to them and, and to him. They're there. Um, so yeah, different opinions on the game I've heard in the media and on, on, through fan media, especially in the last couple of days. And obviously we have our own. So what did you make of, of the Carter performance? Just, just a kind of, in general, kind of overview, Dave. I think it's a kind of the same, the same thing that that everybody was thinking who watched the ninety minutes, which was you got the early goal and you thought, right, that's that's that. You get the early goal and you should now see, you know, a fairly convincing victory. And yeah, we did see a fairly convincing victory, but it didn't kind of come about the way that we thought it would after scoring ten minutes in. And after we scored, like, they just seemed to, just to be, just actively let us have the ball. The, the game plan seemed to be just let them have the ball. Um, and I think we might see a bit more of that throughout the season because teams know how good we are whenever we're, whenever we win the ball back early, high up the pitch. So, um, or even, you know, you've even seen the score from, from the other team taking a corner sometimes. Um, so, it seemed to me like the game plan was let them have the ball and we might get up the other end of the pitch. We might score a goal, but if we don't, let's just not get tanked. And that seemed to be the way it, way it panned out. And I think the only reason it ended 4-1 is because they were within a goal with um, with 10 or so minutes to go, maybe even less. And uh, That opened the pitch up. And when the pitch opened up for us, bang, bang, um, two fairly standard Liverpool goals if you want you know and two good goals and two really good goals at that you know two good passes and two really good finishes so um, yeah I, th- I think we're I think as a fan base we're probably going to have to get get used to seeing that sort of performance I think and the other side of it is that teams came to Anfield last year and, and they thought well they're they're a bit shaky at the back and we can maybe get something here and I don't think they do that anymore. Um, so that leaves even less space in for us behind to go and exploit and try and 
try and hit teams for three, four, five, six, whatever it might be. Um, so I think it might, it might have to be something that we get used to. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I pretty much agree with, with all your points. I mean, as soon as we scored, I mean, first 10 minutes, I thought we were, we were pretty good. We weren't excellent, but we were pretty good. We came out of the traps. We, we were aggressive. We were, um, forcing the issue and we, come up with a goal after 10 minutes and I think for the next 10 minutes you can you can say the same um, we'll force the issue again Sal should have a penalty there's no doubt about it uh, Van Dijk hits the post uh, and really if we score in that 10 minutes or get the penalty we should get you know we're 2-0 up in 15 16 maybe 17 minutes and and you're looking probably at at, at, at at a higher scoreline, should we say, and a different game. But having said that, I think you're right. Um, from that point onwards, for about the next 20 minutes, Cardiff's game plan very much was to play dead and and to just surrender the ball at every opportunity and, and actively seek to be off the ball <laughs> as much as possible. And I think we could be a bit... Uh, a bit cuter about that, you know. I think we could we could adapt slightly, and perhaps uh, I think we were a little bit too happy just to keep the ball and pass it around, and pass it around, and look for the opening, um, as opposed to perhaps um, maybe uh, be a bit more direct, or maybe pump a ball, uh, risk a ball that might get cut out uh, in order to win it back, and 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 attack from a position higher up the pitch where we know we can transition very quickly and um, and cause real damage. But at the same time, you know, you're 1-0 up, you play well first 10, you play well second 10, you should, you should definitely have the chance to go 2-0 up, you, you, you hit the post as well. There's no Cardiff, um, pressure whatsoever. I mean, uh, Neil Warnock referenced in his post-match interview the few times they were unlucky on the break because in the first half because they missed the, the final ball, whatever, but what he actually meant was that, uh, the clearance, the clearance didn't find one of the Cardiff players that might have been in, in Liverpool's half. They at no point actually really had the ball in a position where they were consciously thinking about making a, uh, a, a deliberate forward pass. Uh, yeah, it was very much a secondary thing from the clearance, wasn't it, that they were looking for? It was, it was scraps they were trying to feed off up the top end of the pitch. Absolutely, and and when you're doing that against, I mean, I know Lovren came in for Gomez, and we all know that for me, Lovren's not my favourite there, and he he still had a couple of his uh, couple of his little Lovren moments, but fair enough to him. It's not really on him. There, you're not gonna you're not gonna worry Liverpool by doing that this season, you know, not with with the back four, back five unit that's there. Pretty much, no matter who's playing, because I mean, Moreno was in as well, and the um, you know, there's there's two players that have that have been in in far less stable Liverpool back fours, back fives, um, but looking pretty pretty stable and secure in in the one at, um, on Saturday at Anfield, and Cardiff offered absolutely nothing. Yeah, zero. Yeah, I mean, really nothing. I mean, they. The goal was an absolute fluke. 
And I still think that if Liverpool had been in, in more than 60% mode at that point, it would never have ended up being a goal anyway. Yeah, I think I heard a stat that at half-time, there was five or maybe six of our players had passed the ball more than Cardiff yeah. as a team had. I was watching the... I watched the uh, second look on the Anfield Rap earlier and, and Gareth, uh, Gareth Roberts had a, a stat that Cardiff only completed 36 passes in the first half. <laughs> in the entire first half. Like, that's one pass. Like, if, if you want to even take into consideration... Yeah. I mean, it's how many passes per player? Three, three point what? And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they, they really offered nothing. They had no shots on target. They had no touches in, in our box in the first half. So, I mean, what are you playing? And, 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 and there, thereby I get the frustration that Liverpool didn't necessarily go directly for the jugular. But at the same time, they are literally most of the time playing with 11 behind the ball. And and what are you supposed to do? I mean, it's not like Liverpool were not trying, and they were trying, and, you know, um, we nearly go 2-0 up on half-time. And if you go 2-0 up in the 40, 45th minute, which is something that Liverpool are getting very good at doing, uh, I'm sure I'm not, not the only one that's noticed that. They love a, We love a goal, 44, 45, 46. Um, and Lalana has that one cleared off the line. And I think if we go in 2-0 and end up winning the game 5-1, 6-1, second half, uh, when we have the chances to do so, I mean, who's complaining? Well, that's it, isn't it? Well, there was, there was people complaining before the, the game even kicked off with the, um, with the lineup. And I know Lalana splits opinion more than most. Moreno, we all know how people feel about him, Lovren the same, but at the same time, you know, if if these guys aren't going to get a game at home to Cardiff, then when are they going to get a game? And, and, and uh, you know, if we're going to give, if we're going to give Milner a rest, Robertson a rest, you know, Gomez a rest, Van Dyke a rest, whoever it might be, you know, wh- where are you resting them? Are you resting them next week away to Arsenal? You're not. Are you resting in the Champions League? Home to Napoli, away to the Paris Saint-Germain? Absolutely not. So, you know, I just think it's mad that, that people seem to to consider that it's plausible for the first 11, as they, whoever that might be in their eyes, plays every minute, every week. It's quite funny, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an obvious paradox, is that people always, always on every... On most fan media shows, on on most uh, uh, normal mainstream sports shows, people will will talk about the next game and what's coming up and whether squad needs rotation and where there might be changes and how many changes they can see happening and, and so on and so forth. And everyone consumes, everyone who's into football consumes football media of some kind or another, so they're all getting that, you know, one way or another, whether it's through fan media, whether it's through mainstream media. They're all fully aware of the need for rotation and and um, you know the necessity of the modern game um, of of having fresh players and being able to bring uh, players in and out so that they're on the top of their game when they're coming in and and not even now not 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 even just 
a factor of the modern game. I mean, obviously, without wanting to reference it often or spend too much on it, Manchester United were quite famous for, and Ferguson was quite famous for, having players for certain parts of the season who would perform to their highest level. Um, and it's, it's, it's massively important, but at the same time, when there are changes made on a certain day, people have kittens. <laughs> so it's like everyone knows about it and expects it and, and even and discusses it and, and talks about their, with the changes they would make and so on. Yet when the time comes, there are people who just, just don't, don't compute for some reason. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. I, 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 I really I genuinely don't understand that at all. Um, you know, especially, especially with, especially with Arsenal coming up, you know, away to Arsenal. It's not exactly, it's not exactly a, 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 a ground that we've had a lot of success in over the last, well, basically since the Emirates opened. I think we've maybe won there twice yeah, in like 12 a, years or something. We've got a terrible record. It's an awful record. And that's not even when Arsenal were good. Do you know what I mean? That's not even when they were like peak Wenger Arsenal. This is when they were Arsenal who finished fourth pretty much every season. Arsenal we've who just, got ha- we've just got who a got terrible, ha- terrible record at the Emirates. I mean, yeah, we weren't, we weren't great at Highbury either. No, we weren't. But the Emirates particularly bad, from what I remember. And you know, this is against sides that could that get beaten what ten nil on aggregate by by. Or eight nil by on aggregate by Bayern Munich or something like two years in a row. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing. I mean you've got when you talk about rotation, you've got to think about the next game, which is Arsenal, obviously, and it's tough. And we're going to come on and and and, and ramble about uh, Arsenal and and how we're going to set up and stuff for that a little later. But also you've got to bear in mind the matches that have been played, uh, the travelling that's been done for the international break, and you. You know how you want to how you want to be for the rest of the season, but I think something that's quite interesting is that um, when you, when you look at the players that came in and there, there were uh, there was there's been some debate and discussion about the actual changes that were made as opposed to the fact that there were changes made. Um, so I think one or two uh, voices thought that uh, perhaps at least one of the front three might be rested. That Daniel Sturridge might get a start, um, that Shakiri might start, uh, and and so on and so forth. I just think, I just think they're, it's quite interesting the players that have that have come in. Obviously, they're uh, someone like Lovren in a in a in a back four, back five, centre back. There's every chance that he might be needed, um, owing to injury. Uh, well, this is well, this is the other thing, Neil. You're absolutely right. You know, if something happens to Robertson, if something happens to Gomez, Van Dijk, are you just going to throw these guys in cold? Absolutely, absolutely. And and the flip side is, um, if nothing happens to to Gomez or Van Dijk or to Robertson, how many other opportunities are you actually going to get to play the Morenos and the Lovers? Yeah, but. That- yeah, but as we said, they, they they can't play every match. They just can't. It's not possible. Otherwise, you 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 yeah you detract from you detract from what that player is able to give you on the pitch. They're playing at eighty percent, eighty five percent when it gets to when it gets to March, when it gets to April, when 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 you need people at a hundred percent. So 
Absolutely. Um, so you've got to take the chance both both ways. You, you, you've you got to take the chance to do it both ways. Either you're going to need them because of an injury, so you're going to need them for a sustained period of time, therefore you don't want them coming in cold and taking two, three, four games to get, get in the swing of things, or you're not going to need them very often at all, but you are going to need them, and therefore you're going to need them to come in also playing at a level when they have to come in, as opposed to coming in for that one or two games and being completely completely cold and being useless. So you've, you've kind of got to do it both times. I mean, it, you don't often substitute a centre-half, for example, so it's not often that you know, you're know you going to be winning 2-3-0 or, or in a game or whatever, and, and 65 minutes... The manager's going to take Van Dijk off and bring Lovren on and give him half an hour. Yeah, no. I think that's evident. I think that's evident with the subs though, because I think the subs on the day they they didn't look tactical. They looked as though it was right, bang on sixty, Lalana. You've had your hour because that's what I wanted to get into your legs today. So Shakiri on, Firmino, you've had seventy. So Milner, go on. Get a bit of match sharpness in you for Arsenal next week because I can imagine he'll start. And Firmino, you know, had a difficult time, and I think he has had a difficult time. Um, he's doing an awful, and he does an awful lot of work as well. So oh, you know, yeah. you're saying, yeah, you're saying there's there, the take is, twenty minutes. Yeah, he he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't suit. He can play against anyone, but he's definitely at his best against better players. And totally, when he's a bit more space, absolutely. And, and, and he's playing on a different level and the defenders are playing on a different level. So, so everything's a bit higher. Whereas, yeah, when he, when, sometimes when he plays against uh, the likes of a Cardiff, and, and we've got to say, I'm not really lumping a Cardiff or a Huddersfield in with many other teams, to be honest. I mean, I think they're a little bit separate. From the rest of the teams in the fa- in the fact that I was going to say maybe Newcastle, but even Newcastle have a bit of quality and a bit of goal threat. I mean they're not showing it, but they've got Kennedy, they've got Iosi Perez, so you've got a little bit of something. Yeah, you've got Shelby who can find a pass and and players yeah. like this. Yeah, but Huddersfield and Cardiff are are pub teams in, in Premier League standards. Shall we put it like that? In terms of what they've got going forward, in terms of creativity, in terms of goal threat, yeah, they're fit, yeah, they're organised, uh, but they're they're miles behind. They're miles behind most in this league. Um, so when you're playing against that, and and you know, Bobby's Bobby's not necessarily the best in those situations. Um, We've changed the system a little bit as well. It's maybe not necessarily playing playing absolutely Bobby's strengths. Um, they're maybe stepping on each other's toes a little bit with the with the players uh, with with Lallana and Mane playing the way they're kind of playing around him. So they're all kind of crowded into the centre because neither Lallana nor Mane actually stretched the pitch at all, and uh, neither did it, did our fullbacks particularly uh, much. We did it in periods, but but not. Not as a, a matter of um, of a, it didn't look like that was our game plan. We weren't doing that regularly. And, and no, you're right. It wasn't a standard pattern of play throughout the match. Exactly. So, so it it can be a bit, bit difficult for Bobby, but I'm pretty much expecting him to have a stormer against Arsenal. 
you know. He does enjoy playing against Arsenal. He does, and and they play, I think, in a way that should suit us. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I think we could be due a big performance, and we'll, we'll come on and, and talk about Arsenal. Um, is there anything else you want to add on on Cardiff? I mean, I thought I'll lead you in here. I thought Shakiri. Had his, his nice cameo. I thought he was great for him to get his first goal. It was a lovely take. It was a lovely bit of play, linking up. And I was also very, very glad to see him, very pleased with uh, Salah's individual performance, Mane's individual performance in the end, and also the fact that they combined so so brilliantly for the for the last goal, which was um, the kind of Liverpool move we, we got so used to seeing last year. Yeah, um, it's it's this it's this thing that's starting to frustrate me now, where where people are getting frustrated and they're openly saying they're frustrated that why aren't we why aren't we playing the way we were last year? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Why haven't the front three all scored in the same game for fucking nine out of the ten league games we played, etc., etc. But you know, if you look at it in the cold light of day, you know, Mane scored ten league goals last year. He's already got. He's six. got. He's already got six. Salah is on the what the same number of goals now. Yeah, in his time last year in the league, has he? Is it five or six? I think he's got six in the league and one in. The yeah. Champions. Yeah. Maybe and, five and um, two, but I think he's got. No, I think it's. I think it's five and two. I think you're right. But again, he pops up with with two really lovely assists. Brilliant. Um, so you know, so you know, two, you know two, uh, two brilliant passes and two very different passes. And his touch is back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, this. I suppose we talked about this last week, and 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 this is where I expect us to start to start to see a little bit more, a little bit more consistency in in individual performances in the pitch and 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 being a you know, having a little bit more cutting edge, etc. Um, because there's no doubt we have been functional up to a point this year. And we, we, we kind of, we could have, we've been able to afford to be functional because we've been so solid at the back. And the, again, the goal in itself, it's, it's a bit of a freak goal, you know. Um, Van Dijk's a bit lazy with his, Attempt to cut it out and it puts it right into your man Patterson's path and he, he pokes it home. The keeper's no chance. It's a comedy, but that's what, of, a comedy of lazy, a comedy of laziness essentially. <laughs> yeah, and you know Moreno's involved there as well, and, and and I get all that, but but it doesn't you know, happen if the game's competitive. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. And at the same time, it, it plays into our hands a wee bit because it gives them an incentive to. To push high up the pitch and actually take some risks, and we exploit that, you know, twice in, in twice in ten minutes, we exploit that clinically. So, um, I don't know. I, I kind of I kind of feel like I kind of feel like we're starting to get there, and it's not because of coincidence or because the players have needed this amount of time. I feel like I feel like the same way the subs were managed. On, on Saturday, I feel like the, the whole squad and the team has been managed up to this point where we, we'll start to see them now moving through the gears a little bit more and, and see a bit more intensity um, in our play. Um, and then, you see the only other thing, it's just... The guys, you know, 
you know, the Lana Lovren, Moreno. Um, I just think sometimes as a fan base, we're, we're very quick to, to write players off after, you know, one or two performances, which I find is nuts. You know, you people, you people asking the question, is, is Salah one season wonder? You know, five games ago, you know, you know, five, six matches into the season, they're, they're asking that question, which is, is mental. You know, Milner has been written off God knows him many times. Um, people questioned the, the wisdom of, of bringing Firmino in. And, and I think if you remember, there was that article, I can't remember who wrote it, Neil Ashton maybe, about, you know, where did these laptop boffins come up with this figure that we should pay, for, that Liverpool should pay for this player? Um, yeah, well, Neil Ashton's a one, like his name, and the guy writes for the fucking sun. Yeah, so, you know, well, it speaks for itself, but, you know, but, the, but again, I suppose that, that represents, represents a, this, this, the mindset of, of people who are, are saying these sorts of things, I guess. The, the, the Gomez at centre half is another one that absolutely baffled me because he had, a te- had an awful time against, in the League Cup, Plymouth maybe. Am I right? Or, or AFC? Yeah, so, it was, yeah. was a Plymouth in the League Cup and he had an awful time at centre half and, and people just decided that he was the right back because they'd seen him sit, because they'd seen him play 15 good games at right back at the age of, I don't know, 20 or something. Um, so I think we're, we're fairly quick to, we're fairly quick to draw judgments over the course of one, two, three games. And, um, sometimes when Alden's another one, Who's absolutely come to the fore, and I was always a fan of Wijnaldum, but he, he he is. I think he's. I think him moving into the six has given him a. Uh, people have been a bit more aware of him. I think he does sometimes seem to get lost in games, but this position now that he seems to be doing, where he's he's been in positions with Fabinho the last couple of games, where where one has one has sat deep and one's moved forward and have almost um, took turns. Um, he seems to really influence the game from that point, and now all of a sudden, Gino Wijnaldum is our best midfielder. Well, but he's, he's, it's not happened all of a sudden, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just we're noticing him more. Um, well, he's been our, I would say, Wijnaldum, for, as your example, has probably been our, our player of the season so far. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you look at the front three and the goals and so on. But if you look at uh, most consistent performer and up there for man of the match, pretty much every game he's played. Um, you know, and and the, and the fact that he stepped his game up. Uh, I hope. Well, uh, uh, we've noticed the step up to a whole another level, even though it's kind of been coming. Is is testament to him, especially with all the players that have come in uh, in that position over the summer. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think with Moreno, I think he offers a lot. He can offer a lot, but unfortunately for me, over time, he, he's shown that he doesn't offer enough at, at defending in the left back position. And, and somebody like an Andy Robbo is, uh, offers you that, that bit more, but, uh, he can certainly, certainly good enough to be a backup left back for Liverpool and he can certainly get into most Premier League teams if they're starting left back. There's no doubt about that. So for people, mm-hmm. or write him off is, is nonsense. He can very much do a job. Um, of course, we've been scarred by 
mistakes he's made and so on. But at the same time, and, and Lovren too, but uh, I think you've got to look at the... In those situations, it's very easy to blame a single player. But, I mean, the whole collective was not performing well at those times in those series. So. Yeah, and I'll I go as far as to say, Neil, that Lovren's played probably consistently well for 12 months now. Oh, he has. I mean, he's been good. He's been good since Van Dijk arrived. Slight, maybe slightly before. Um, he hasn't really put a foot wrong because I think he's got Virgil there to take the, the heat off him and to, to walk him through things and uh, not walk him through in the sense of, you know, literally fucking guide him, but just be the, the boss there and, and make sure things are, are going well. And I suppose when you're playing beside somebody like, like Van Dyke. He's so predictable. He's so he's like a metronome. You know exactly what he's gonna do. He, he tells you exactly what he's gonna do. He's he's an organizer, in charge, and and Lovren has 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 been good. There's no doubt about it. And yeah. The thing I'll never lose with him is, and the thing that is still there with him is that you never quite know what he's gonna do, and there's always the chance that he's gonna do something mad. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Lovren is at his worst when he feels like he has to take responsibility. Yeah, because it just goes to his head, and 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 I don't mean in an arrogant way. I mean in a panic kind of a way. Like, yeah, I, I, I that 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 sense of I am um, I am the best centre. I am the best centre half. I'm the best defender in this team right now. I am going to be the one. I have to be the one that has to go and sort that out. Yeah, and. It's not a responsible way to be in a football pitch. You need to trust your teammates. You need to, you know, maintain your own discipline and your own position in the pitch and make sure that you're winning your own personal battles, etc. Um, but I feel like he lacks that, that trust sometimes. Um, and whether it be Clavin who was playing beside him, whether it be Matip who was playing beside him, you know, etc., etc. Um, whereas with Van Dyke, he can be comfortable in the fact that actually I can leave that all to him and I can just play my own game rather than tearing out into the left back position. Robert, you know, again, I, I kind of debated this, I debated this with myself for a long time, whether because it was Lovren playing on the left hand side. Um, and I always thought he was better in the right when he was with Sacco. Yeah. When Sacco was there, I always thought he seemed, he seemed more solid then. And then when he was switched to the left after Sacco got bombed, I thought, is he having to, is he thinking he has to go and bomb out there because Moreno can be such a car crash at times? Um, and just Spurs was a great example where he flies into that left back position and tries to win a header that he's absolutely no right to be able to go and win. Um, so. I mean, there, I, there is that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure when he, when, I mean. It's the same for any defender when you, or any player when you or any person when you've got to think about other people's jobs and covering for them or, or you think you've got to do that then obviously your own your own work generally and inevitably suffers in some way or another and you end up not really doing anything particularly well either job particularly well um, but yeah I mean I think I think the change of goalkeeper and I, and I don't necessarily mean just Allison I actually mean the change away from Mignolet certainly. Has helped Lovren as well because those two were like each other's kryptonite. They, they really, I mean, if you if you we can watch back the Lovren Mignolet Ricks from 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 the times when they they signed for Liverpool and started playing together and and they're involved. It, it's it's a bit like Laurel and Hardy. It's, 
Yeah, yeah. And that brings us on to the other goalkeeper, I suppose. Yeah. Who it looks like we might be seeing sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've heard all this kind of hot air and rumour and bluster about Liverpool offering to take him back and Besiktas wanting to give him back and this and that. Apparently, I read that earlier an article that said that he, he can't come back, that the, the, the contract basically doesn't allow for a return before the time. But I suppose if the clubs negotiated and then there was a will or a need or a desperation or whatever from one or the other side, maybe an arrangement could be, could be, or an accommodation could be reached. But end of the day, it, it seems from, I've been keeping an eye on Besiktas, his results and a few of his um, high profile mistakes have, have come across my doorstep. I wasn't really looking to pick him out. I was more hoping he would do well, obviously. Um, but he's not doing great, and they're not doing great um, this season at all. Uh, as I said, a couple of high-profile mistakes. So we'll see what happens on that one. I mean, to be honest, I'm not really arsed anyway, um, whether we bring him back or not, because I believe we're paying quite a lot of his wages anyway. So. Yeah, I think there's a, there's also another suggestion that um, if he does come back, that um, Origi will go the other way, and whatever agreement... Liverpool have with Besiktas will kind of stay in place based on the, I suppose, the replacement of, of Origi for Karius's deal. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, at the end of the day, Divock's not getting close to a, to a, to any game time. He hasn't impressed the manager, obviously, with his, with his output. He hasn't impressed him in training. Obviously, he's not getting a sniff. We've got, with, with our, slight change of system now we've got more options that we can use there that are ahead of him in the pecking order and we don't really play with with the type of player that he is no, particularly I mean, I, anymore I think we, we could but only if he had been able to adapt a little and it doesn't seem that he's been able to um, and he just hasn't kicked on at all and, and to be honest I, I don't really don't really blame him don't really blame us it's Kind of been a, a bit of a cock up since the moment we signed him and let, loaned him back. Um, it's never really clicked. There were there were brief moments. Of yeah, the, we had we had about three we had about three months, didn't we? Where we yeah, thought we might actually Mar- have a player on our hands. Yeah, until Funes Mori broke his ankle in the derby, and that was that was the end of Divox kind of purple patch for us. And it's yeah. a shame for him. But at the end of the day, you know, I'd, I'd rather that he went on loan to Besiktas if that's that's what it takes, and then we get ten million for him or whatever, maybe more. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's um, it, it it's we don't we don't feel often in the transfer market, but this this he seems to be like the he seems to be like the last of that. Of that group of players, where that uh, what was it, the transfer committee versus Brandon Rogers? Tug of yeah, he he seems to be like the last in that line of players where where it looks as though we genuinely took, you know, a new approach, and I can only presume that that's something that, that that's down to the manager to, to a degree, um, and and I've always said this about Klopp, where he's really he's really clever, where he he he, he shows. A massive amount of humility in, in accepting that he doesn't know everything, everything 
and, and he knows he knows a lot less and everything, and he will trust certain responsibilities to other people. And I think he trusted that responsibility to these guys who were doing their doing the research and 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 um, you know scouting the players and um, profiling them, etc. Whereas, whereas Rogers didn't seem to. And Origi seems like the he seems like the he seems seems to like bookended that um, that regime, so to speak. Um, and from that point on, there's you know there's no argument about how how successful we've been in the market and and what our as they I suppose people used to call it, our hit rate is in the transfer market. Um, so I think he's he's a little bit like from you know he, I think we've probably evolved past him. I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think you're right, and he hasn't evolved. At really at all he hasn't developed from that player who set the French League on fire the season that we and, and, and starred in the wasn't it the World Cup or was it no it was the World starred in the World Cup in yeah that's right in Brazil Brazil um, and he, he hasn't kicked on at all uh, he actually had then a, a terrible season the season after which was a bizarre one I, I still don't think we should have loaned him back I think that didn't help him at all then when he arrived there was all the debate with who was going to be the manager and, you know, the manager that had signed him was, was then leaving and and then he came in and, he, as I said, he initially did well under Klopp, but then that injury set him back and since then he, he doesn't seem to have been able to get himself back on track at all. He went away to Wolfsburg, didn't do so well there either, didn't set the world on fire at all, they didn't want to keep him, he came back, hasn't done anything for us. So, uh, well, hasn't done anything for us in the sense that obviously he's not as I said, not getting close to, to having a sniff. So, so yeah, good luck to him and, and good luck to Lars Carriers. Whatever happens with him, he comes back great. He stays away great. His time as a as a Liverpool player, as a, like a first team player, uh, getting any time on the pitch is, is over. You'd have to say, and uh, and it's sad for him. And hopefully, he can rebuild his career somewhere else and uh, get it back on track. So. Um, with just the two of us, we've managed to nat on quite a bit so far without actually getting on to the uh, to the Arsenal game. So well, let's talk about Arsenal then, will we? Let's let's get there. So obviously, um, Emirates we mentioned earlier has been hasn't been a happy hunting ground for us over the years. It's been somewhat of a of a of a graveyard, to be honest. Um, Unai Emery's team after a shaky start, although they, they played City and Chelsea in their first two games, I think. Uh, first three anyway, and and lost them both. But after a shaky start, they put together a pretty pretty damn good run. Eleven wins in a row. They luckily, I think for us, I think it's a good sign they were pulled up by Palace in uh, their last game at the weekend. Two penalties for Palace, something that we never get. Two penalties in a game. One would be in- one penalty in a game would be nice. One would be nice. Yeah, we got we got two in the Champions League. Uh, but we haven't had a penalty in, in the league for God knows how long. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, they, they stuttered a bit. They were, they were 1-0 down. They then came back with 2-1 up, two quick fire goals, the kind of double punch that, uh, usually kills teams off. But Palace came back into it and they, they got their pen and 2-2. So winning runs come to an end. Uh, they're not feeling invincible anymore. Emery's got them playing, but they play a particular style. 
obviously Liverpool have a history with the coach as well, and 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 not such a happy one uh, as well as with the ground uh, and 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 Arsenal. So, but um, but there are positive signs. Perhaps Arsenal are, are the kind of team at this moment that plays is exactly how Liverpool would would like them to. What are your thoughts on on all of this and and the game ahead? Um, all of all of those things, yeah, pretty much all of those things. Um, I think Johnny Henderson's been fairly vocal about about calling Arsenal out that how how they've got how they went. You know, eleven was it eleven in a row? The one wasn't it? Eleven in a row. He was mystified as to how this happened. Um. And I kind of get where he's coming from, but from my perspective, they've, um, they kind of, they rep, they represent what we, what we were the last two or three years, I suppose, where we're soft at the back and there's players at the back who just aren't up to scratch, you know, you're, you know, their back four on Saturday was Baron, who I've always, I've always liked them. Um, I think he's a really, really good modern day fullback. Um, Mustafi, don't, I don't get him. Rob Holding, I think, is a pie. He's and, rubbish. I mean, he's so oh, bad. I think he's awful. And then, um, you know, if he's, if he's, you know, Callum Chambers was another one who was getting the game for Arsenal somehow. I just don't know. But they haven't had loads of, loads of fun in, in signing centre backs. Kishelny's done, even if he gets a game, and it doesn't look like he is, and they were playing Granite Jacket left back. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, the, the thought of... is now that Bellerin's a big doubt for the weekend. So I don't know who they play there. That fella, whatever happened to that fella who was playing last year, Maitland Niles. You know? Well, I mean, if that's the case, then, I mean, you really are looking at a, at a makeshift back four. And, and even the first choice back four, as you say, so Mustafa's a car crash. Um, so- Socrates was a really good centre back. About but he's so slow. Ago, but he's slow. He, and he can't, he can't play. Push. I thought that was a really strange, I thought that was a really strange signing. If they, if they brought him in before they, if they brought him in knowing they were bringing in Emre, I thought that was a really strange signing for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he doesn't really suit how, how Emre wants to play, although he, he has managed to, to get a tune out of them. I mean, he has got them playing the way he wants. I think you, you'd have to say that about them. Uh, he has actually stamped his kind of, um, Profile or his mark on them quite early, especially given it's it's not really his team. Yeah, but they, I think the other thing the other thing that I was going to say is as as weak and as soft and as 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 much work as the the back the back four needs. There's creativity and there's pace and there's guile and there's go, there's goals in that team. There's just no doubt about it. Oh, um, and. And they will score goals, and I think their goals will probably take them. I think their goals will take them into a top four I position. I think they'll finish fourth. I think they'll push Tottenham out. Tottenham and United <sighs> don't make the top four this year. I I agree totally. As things stand now, you know, I think I've seen enough of Arsenal to know that, you know, Ozil was born. 
I well, mean, yeah. I said this to you the other week, didn't I? They kind of look like Wenger's Arsenal a bit from, you know, yes, the four reason. or five years ago, where they win 14 games against the bottom, you know, 15, 16, and they win no other games. Where they get smashed by all the top, the top, the other top three, and uh, just just beat the bottom 14 home and away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's that's what they're looking like at, at, at this point. Now I would agree with you. Um, they definitely have the firepower, and um, in the sense that when Lacazette and Aubameyang are firing, I mean they have that kind of X factor in in the fact, in so much as that they they can produce the, between them something pretty much from nothing, just a bit of quick link up or or just making enough space for a, for a shot from twenty yards or curling one in or or even a cross on a header or getting beyond the front post or breaking the lines. Uh, yeah, that goal, they, that third goal they scored against Leicester was absolutely sublime. It was absolutely incredible. They just moved the ball up the pitch, one, two touches. It was creative. It was inventive. There was runners coming from all kinds of directions. Like I said, um, was it, it wasn't like I said, was it Aubameyang scored the goal? He didn't even see Aubameyang for the entire move because he was hugging, nearly hugging the touchline. All of a sudden, there he is, pops up the back post, completely unnoticed by any of the Leicester players. Um, a beautiful, beautiful goal. And that's the type of thing that they can do to any good team. If you break with that pace and those players, you know, if you're caught high up the pitch, which we tend to play high up the pitch, that type of thing can happen. So... Um, you know, there's every... I mean, they, they can get in behind you, they can hurt you, there's no doubt about that. But the interesting thing about that Leicester game is Leicester should be 3-0 up in the first half. Well, the, again, and this, this, this harks back to a previous point where they are, there's, they're poor, I think they're poor at the back. They're poor um, at the back, and, and, uh, well, certainly iffy at the back, dodgy at the back, and they're, they start slow. They seem to start slow, uh, is what I've noticed in a, in a few games I've seen them. Even against Palace, they're 1-0 down half-time, and they have to come back. And there have been a few, I mean, Sporting Lisbon in the UEFA Cup, they score late to win the game. Uh, they're 0-0 the whole way through. They're they're not quick off the blocks, and they tend to give away chances in the, in the first half of games. So if, we, if Liverpool are clinical, if Liverpool are... Um, Finishing chances, the front three are creating and finishing chances like they can. Uh, Liverpool could be out of sight by half time, and if that's the case, yeah, Arsenal might rally, but they've been given the opportunity, I think, in, in recent games. I think John, Johnny, our, our teammate Johnny, um, is on to something with Arsenal's record. I mean, it's, imp- it's very impressive, and you can't take it away from them, and I wouldn't seek to do so, and I wouldn't seek to belittle it. However, they've been, it, not been lucky, but they've been, shall we say, fortunate in games. That they, I think those two. I think they mean the same thing. Not, not, not quite. Not quite. Lucky, lucky kind of uh, suggests that uh, it's a complete fluke. I mean, they, they have they have played better than the, the teams that they've played, but there have been opportunities for the other sides in those games, uh, and they've, they've they've not taken them. They've not made the most of their moments. And I think it's by virtue of the fact that they've generally had a quite a nice run of fixtures. I was going to say that, and I was being sure earlier on, but um, I think you're right. I think if you if you break it down, 
you know, they've played what three Europa League ties against no marks. They've played Everton, who are decent, but again, but again they're not yeah. great at the back. And I, and I, I can saw against United, they they don't have a big big team mentality at all. They're, they're, they're... No, they don't. And they and, and I think the one thing about Everton is they they don't have a goal scorer. They they just they just do not have someone who will consistently put the ball in it. Calvert Lewin's not going to do the job. That boy Tosin, he's in our pie. I think he's not going to do the job. Walcott Walcott is as good as he was when he was when he was seventeen. Yeah, um, but he's twenty nine now. Yeah. Um, and and they just don't. Apart from Sigurdsson, there's 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 no real consistent goal threat there. Yeah. Um, and then Watford, Watford. Watford weren't, weren't able to bully them, but they, but Watford had a guilt edge chance before Arsenal went and put the game to bed with not long to go in the game. Yeah, wasn't it, wasn't it at, at uh, the Emirates as well? It was, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was. the home game against Watford, even though Watford have played well this season, you would expect Arsenal to, to be winning that nine seasons yeah. out of and then wasn't the was it Cardiff they beat three two or was it three two they beat Cardiff? Yeah, and it was the first goals Cardiff had scored, I think. Yeah, yeah. So this team can absolutely be got. I feel I feel for Emery to a degree because he needs a couple of transfer windows, if nothing else, but to sort the back four out, much the way Klopp did, you know. Um, and and they'll they'll suffer because of that. And you know the manager will no, no more than likely get grief. About Arsenal can't defend and blah blah blah, but you've a fucking Rob holding there playing centre half, and you've got a problem if you're I mean, you're looking to challenge. I mean, so you you'd expect when when Emery gets a, a real chance, if he gets a, a bit of money, I mean, essentially the spine, he's going to replace the spine, isn't he? Like, you know, well, I don't know. I think that they've got Torreira there, who who seems to be you know well, decent. Yeah, the midfield battle is going to be really he's, interesting he's, in that he's game. New, isn't he, Torreira? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they've already addressed centre midfield. He, he he went for somebody that he knew in Socrates to come in there straight away as a stopgap for a season or two. But he's, yeah. he's going to need to build there. I mean, he can't, as we said, he can't rely on Holdings and Mustafis and so on to play centre half. Not if you want to do anything in there. No, you can't. And that, you know, you could almost look at that as a parallel to the, the Maddox signing that, that Klopp made when he yeah, first came in. Exactly. Let's just get someone who I know. Maddox and, uh. And Clavin. Clavin, yeah. Two, so, two, two seven, seven out of ten, six and a half out of ten, so that I can guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, two, two players that you can rely on against your Newcastles and Watfords and Leicesters and teams like this. But when it actually comes to, you know, playing in the Champions League or, 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 or Spurs, United, City, you know, Chelsea teams like this, where you, you need, you need that, that extra level of quality, which, which we have. And I think that that is probably where the game is going to be won. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, I think, I think we're going to see something akin to, uh, uh, to a, to a, almost a 2013-14 style of game, and I would say probably more the not not the Anfield one necessarily. Uh, that would be fun. It's one of my favorite yeah. favorite favorite ever games. I think it's one of one of all modern day Liverpool fans' favorites. Like I think I watched that first half 
about six fucking times in the week after. Like, I mean, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. But, you know, that, that would be awesome, of course. But, but feeling that, I think it is going to be... I mean, I don't think it's going to be one of these games that we saw us against City, for example, or, or Spurs against City, where, where it's a bit cagier and whatever. I think... I think Emery's just getting his... Um, or just ha- just has just gotten his Arsenal team playing the way he wants them to play, and he's not going to want to to completely change the the playbook for Liverpool, especially at home. And I think that will suit Liverpool. Having said that, I think as as you mentioned, I think Arsenal have got a lot of firepower going forward, and they're at home, and they've got a very good record against us at home, as we've already mentioned. So I think it, it could be a bit of a humdinger, and it, it could be a three-two or four-two. Kind of yeah, scenario. I agree. I think I don't. I think the game now. I think the game will play out similar to the that. Do you know the crazy Chelsea Arsenal game you saw at Stamford Bridge at the start of the season? Yeah, three two. Mm. Um, yeah, it could be something like that. Now I will go as far as to say as just a caveat that with it, this isn't this, this isn't the same Arsenal team that played that match nor the same Arsenal team that, that lost at home to City in the opening day they've come a long way from 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 that point um in in the you know the 10 or 12 matches that they played um and it does take manager's time and I I I read Emery I think he's a very very good coach um you know enjoyed him at Valencia particularly when he had those weird patches sewn onto the elbows of his jacket which was do you remember those? those? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so strange. He's like a fucking history teacher. Um, and that's a difficult, and that, I suppose that was where I got a lot of respect for him because that's a, that's one of the most difficult clubs to manage in Europe. Yeah. They're, they're, they've so, the expectations are so high. They're so poorly run. There's still a fucking stadium half built from five or six years ago lying around in the city somewhere. Um, and they're, he took them, you know, challenging for the Champions League, positions playing in the Champions League, um, and then we know what he did at Sevilla. So I expect that, you know, Arsenal, I think you're right, if if, if he's backed and is given two or three years, um, they could become a, a real force in the division. There's no the doubt about it. The thing about him is, is he always, well, in his, in his the two clubs you mentioned, there he makes... His home ground an absolute fortress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's beaten he, for both Valencia and Sevilla. He regularly beat Barcelona and Real Madrid at home. Like I heard, was it Barca hadn't won at Sevilla in it was five years or something. Yeah, yeah. Until recently, huh? until uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago. So I mean, he knows what he's doing, and it's it's not it's a, it's a pattern. You know, and, and good, uh, top managers seek to do that straight away, really, and as quickly as possible is to establish an absolute fortress mentality at home. You do not lose home games. You do not drop points. Doesn't matter who comes here. This is your patch. And it's working for Liverpool. I mean, I think 26 games now unbeaten at Anfield. Or maybe yeah, it's 20. phenomenal. Yeah. So let's, you know, let's hope that continues, but, um, I am hopeful that Liverpool can go. Obviously, I'm a fan, so I'm always hopeful that Liverpool can win. <laughs> but um, you've but, got that positive mentality too, though, Chief. Yeah. 
Well, absolutely, but I mean, what's not to be positive about at the moment? I mean, we've got nothing to fear from them. Um, however, they they can damage you, and and it could go either way. But I think on the balance, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at. I mean, obviously, I think you'd agree we're looking at at Gomez and Robertson coming back in. Well, I was going to say to you there, I think, you know, the back five and the front three probably pick themselves, so that's fine. So I think the question remains, what are you doing in the midfield? Well, you're probably looking at, well, you're probably not bringing Henderson back unless you, you're 100% sure he's 100% fit, because he's not played in three weeks now. Yeah, I don't think that he is anyhow. So, well, we'll see how the week goes, but so I, I think you're probably right. So that really only leaves Fabinho, Milner and Genie. I mean, you're not playing Lalana. I don't think you've hooked him on sixty. And are you really going to play him against Arsenal? I don't know. No, maybe. I don't. Th- I think you're right. Um, and I think that's the reason that he does play against City because you're not going to play him against Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and I think you've got Napoli coming up in the week after that, don't you? And he's not getting a game there. No. Um. So yeah, I think it's I think it's those things. It's Milner, Fabinho's shown that he can. Uh, he's up to pace. And Arsenal might be a, a a bit of a test, but to drop him in there in that first team, you'd think he's got enough enough around him. Um, so I think that's what you see. And if you're seeing that, if you're seeing the back five, as we've said there, and you've got Fabinho, and Milner, Wijnaldum three, I assume Kaida's not back fit or going to be back fit. Although we're recording this, what it's Tuesday night, we're recording this for. Four full days before the Arsenal game, so I mean, of course, these players could come back into into contention. But yeah, certainly, and and you know, I wouldn't. They, I think there's, you know, there's a conversation that they may have been in contention for for the Cardiff game, but why would you bother? Yeah. You know, why yeah, would you bother? Yeah. No, absolutely not. So you know, they may be farther on than we think. You know, we might be assuming that they're they're where they are. In the recovery, because we didn't see them at least on the bench against Cardiff, but I don't think that's a, don't, don't think that's a fairly accurate measure to go by. The, I think. Do you do you do you not start Shakiri? Interesting, interesting. I don't. I suppose know. that's the that's, that's the big question of, of that's the big question of the fixture, isn't it? Really, for us, anyhow. Yeah, I mean, obviously Shakiri offers you a lot. He's got that creativity um, and. More urgency than a Lalana in that role, and a more a better vision, to be honest. And just he's just just a cut above uh, in that role. However, hmm, do you start him, um, or you know, not quite fully adapted to the position? There's still a lot of talk that Klopp's guiding him through games in terms of where he needs to be off the ball and so on. I mean, no doubt he's putting the shift in, but it's is he quite in the right place? That kind of thing. If you're going to play Fabinho as well, do you start them both with the risk that there might be, you know, some some um, steps put out of place there? Um, well, who do we expect that they'll play in the midfield? Because I think they'll play that again. Guendouzi guy. The Guendouzi, Torreira, Ozil. Yeah, Ozil will play, no doubt, and then. Um, so and then Ramsey probably off the bench, or he might start. Because I think he hasn't been starting at Bamiang in these sorts of games, has he? It's been Lacazette, 
without Aubameyang. Yeah, but he started them both then at Palace, didn't he? He did, but Palace was shit. Yeah, true. So be interesting then. I mean, who does it? Who's the who's the fifth? If he just plays Lacazette. Um, it will be, maybe. It will be. Ah, you're right. It will be. So, I mean, to me, I mean, you look at that, right? It will be a good player, but he doesn't scare me. He doesn't frighten me in any in any stretch. Ramsey, we know all about. He can be great, but he can easily just disappear in a game completely. Um, Granite Jack is playing at left back, most likely, if he's not. If he's not playing it right back, um, that'd be glorious. Imagine Salah getting a hold of him yeah. in the form that he's. Oh. Neither of them, Salah or Mane, or when they switch. I mean, the, I mean, if if fucking Zaha, who's a good player by the way, but he's no Mo Salah or Sadio Mane, if Zaha can can turn him inside out like that, then you know we, we've got we've got a lot to look forward to. But that's that's what I think about when you look at their team man for man. If you take out. If you take out Aubameyang and Lacazette, there's nobody there that Liverpool don't know about, haven't played against a good few times, or should be scared of. Even Ozil, I mean, how much talk has there been about him over the last four fucking seasons? I mean, yeah, again, another one that can be great and has been, has done good things against us, notably in the fucking Mignolet debacle. Um... But at the same time, can drift out of a game if things aren't going well. I mean, and Arsenal sort of always had this issue. And if you look 1-11, to 11, our team is, is better. Yeah, I think so. So we're going we're going Fabinho, we're going Genie, we're going Milner then? I would say so. I think you'd want to start quite solid. Uh, and Shaqiri from the bench if needs be. From the bench. I mean, you look you look at the bench there, your options are, are large, aren't they? Are, are plentiful. You've got Shaqiri, you've got Sturridge um, to change things up. You've got Lalana, you know. You've yeah, got, you may have Kaida, you may have, have, you may have Henderson. Yep. So, I mean, it's a really strong bench. And in, in, in that regard, you've got Moreno. In that regard, you've got 17, 16, 17 First teamers there essentially little drop off here and there, but nothing like it was. Nothing yeah, like ag- it was. Yeah, agreed. Kevin Stewart's and Connor Randalls and people like yeah, this, and, and even the youngsters who who yeah, it's great uh, to have youngsters, but who clearly weren't ready. Like you know? yeah, and that fellow was signed that fellow that signed for Watford for about five million quid, who I don't think has kicked the ball since yeah. Sin- Sinclair or whatever you call yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it yeah. Jerome Sinclair? Jerome Sinclair, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Great piece of business, just like getting yep. rid of, getting rid of your man uh what was he called? Jordan Ibe to fucking Bournemouth. Jordan Ibe, another one. Mill. Thanks very you much. You know man. Do you remember the transfer committee were uh the the, the most terrible people in the world? They were awful. Bin them all off. <laughs> Brad Smith, there's another one, six million for him. I don't think he even plays football anymore. No, no. He was he was awful, he was never gonna make it. No, no. <laughs> Um, well, so yeah, so what do you think then? We yeah, win. I mean, if I had to, if you had to put me on the spot, I think I would. Well, I go, am going to. Yeah, well, I think I would go. If I'm being generous to Arsenal, I'm going four-two Liverpool. Okay, I'm going three-one. Okay. Nice. So similar, you think a two-goal margin, but uh, I think so. I think we've got. I think. I think. I think. 
we're just better at the back and, and we're a lot better at the back. And I think that that's what essentially will win us more games this year than won us last year. And this is going to be a case in point. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. We're, we're far better at the back than we've been at any point since, well, I mean, it's point, it's pointless even comparing it because football was a completely different game back at the point when we were, we were good at the back. I mean, you're going back to 2008, aren't you? And before that, you're going back to probably Julier. Yeah, but even 2008, Chief football wasn't, wasn't the, the, wasn't the way it is now. That's it wasn't, I mean. it wasn't the going, the go and score goals the way that it is you know? now. The way that teams play, the way that the systems are, the way the game developed, totally different. Yeah. Um, so there's no point in, in the modern era, in, in, the, in this decade, Liverpool haven't had a defence that's even close to being this good, touch wood. So, so I agree. But, uh, I think, yeah, I think Arsenal have the firepower and you, you just never know. They can blam them in and they can create, but I think we'll, we'll just have enough. I think it might be, might be a humdinger, kind of a bit of a, Tit for tap, but then we we kind of pull away. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't being so generous to Arsenal, I'd probably say four one. I think we, we we can open them up, and I think that our front, well, I think that our front players in general, I won't say our front three. I think we're starting to click going forward. I think the touch is coming back. I think the speed and precision is coming back, and the movement and the play. And I think the last two games have shown that, albeit against weaker opposition. But against opposition that it's quite difficult to, to really cut open because they play so deep. And I think Arsenal might be, might be just the team we're looking for. Yeah, good enough. Nice. So you're a 3-1, I'm a 4-2. So we'll see. Let's, let's hope we can continue our unbeaten run and, and, uh, yeah, overturn what's been a bit of a, a bit of a bogey ground at the, uh, at the Emirates on, is it Saturday? It's Saturday night, isn't it? Saturday half five. Half five, yeah. So half six for you. Are. A good one for us as well. I mean, I quite like that kickoff time. It's far better than playing a half twelve or the early game on the Sunday, like. Yeah, totally. So I'm quite up for that one. The, the atmosphere is always good. Everyone's always had a drink, and people, the lights are on now. The clocks are bumping. Yeah. If I'm going to the match. A half five is my favourite kickoff time after the clocks go back. There's no doubt about it. Half five on the Saturday is great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, um, I think we'll probably wrap it up there then, unless you've got any dad. Nope, that's me, Chief. Nice one, nice one. Well, thanks very much for your for your company. Been a been a pleasure. We've we've sort of covered uh, the Cardiff game in in quite a lot of detail, I suppose, and we touched on a, a couple of of other things going on in, in Liverpool land, one or one or two tangents along the way, and, and finished off with Arsenal. So um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, thanks very much for sticking with us, if you have. Um, Dave, do you want to give out your Twitter handle, or are you just going to say cheerio? Yeah, just the second one. Just the second one. So that'll, that'll be a cheerio from Dave. So it's good night from him. And it'll be good night for me. I'm your host, uh, I've been your host, Neil Patterson, and you can follow me on Twitter at Neil1980 if you, if you like. If not, don't bother. I won't be offended. It's fine. Um, so yeah, we've been Copcast. Thanks for sticking with us, and, uh, we'll be back next week.